welcome to Building Boston and Beyond, an educational podcast empowering Massachusetts residents with information, updates surrounding the economic growth of their community, improvements to their neighborhood, and access to resources to enhance their quality of life. From discussions with public officials, businesses, organizations, and change makers, Building Boston and Beyond aims to inform and empower residents to have a voice, support each other, and join the decision-making process in their community. Today's guest is Chris Dempsey, Democratic candidate for Massachusetts State Auditor. His experience in state government, the private sector, and grassroots activism, where Chris led the successful No Boston Olympics movement, demonstrates his dedication to public service and the future of Massachusetts. Let's hear from Chris, who has crossed the state from Pittsfield to Provincetown, promoting his vision and passion for the role of state auditor. Welcome, Chris, and thank you for joining Building Boston and Beyond. It is great to catch up. Let's share with our listeners a brief about yourself, your background, your path to public service, and of course, your campaign. Lydia, it is so great to be on with you and your listeners and to reconnect with you after being colleagues in the past and friends for the better part of 15 or 20 years now. So it's an honor to be with you today. I'm running to be Massachusetts State Auditor, and we'll talk more about what that means. You asked about who I am and and where I come from. I live in the first floor of a triple-decker in Brookline Village, about two and a half blocks from where I grew up with my amazing fiance, Anna, and we're getting married in the middle of June, and we're excited about that and excited about starting a family together in Massachusetts. I grew up in Brookline Village. I went to the Brookline Public Schools, and I'm the son of public school teachers. My parents met while teaching at the Martin Luther King School in Grove Hall in Boston in 1970, and they were placed in adjoining classrooms and fell in love, and the rest is history. I've got a little sister, Allison, who is really wonderful, and she and her wife are expecting their first child. They're both teachers in New York City, and we We have a baby shower coming up this weekend that we're celebrating. I'm someone who is deeply rooted in community and in Massachusetts and have been fortunate in my career to work in the Deval Patrick administration at MassDOT, which is, of course, how I know you, but also to have work on a bunch of political campaigns, to work in the private sector. I have an MBA and I have that business experience, which is often a little more rare in state government. And I've also worked at the grassroots level, including as the co-founder of the No Boston Olympics grassroots movement, which asked some tough questions about the Boston 2024 Olympic bid. So I hope the theme that people hear in my career is is someone who is dedicated to public service, who cares a lot about the future of Massachusetts and has actually done the work to try to make our community and our state stronger. Let's get into the inspiration behind your run for state auditor. And let's talk about what that job entails. Current state auditor is Auditor Suzanne Bump, and she has been the auditor since 2011. She was first elected in 2010. And she's someone for whom I have great respect. She has decided not to seek re-election. So this is an open seat. I have been in this race since the moment that Auditor Bump made public her announcement about not seeking re-election. She's leaving some very big shoes to fill. She's done great work in professionalizing the office. And in many ways, I want to continue that great work that she has been doing. At the same time, I appreciate that the state auditor is not necessarily a household name. It's not necessarily an office that people think about on a daily basis, but it plays a really crucial role in state government. It has a team of about 200 auditors and analysts, and we send that team into every corner of the executive branch of state government. So all of the state agencies from the MBTA to the Department of 
public health, to the Department of Environmental Protection, to the Department of Children and Families. Mm -hmm. And we analyze and assess how those departments are doing and how they need to change, and we make recommendations for those changes. And so the auditor has relatively limited ability in terms of making direct policy change, but a lot of ability and opportunity in terms of making indirect policy change by being an advocate within government to really use that platform of the office to point out where things need to get better in state government and to use the data and the facts that the auditor's team develops to make that case to the people of Massachusetts and to the legislature and to the executive branch. It sounds like just an improvement to or enhancing transparency. Transparency is hugely important in this job, accountability, and even just basic efficiency. You know, there are so many departments through state government where the mission of the department is an important one, where the people who are leading the department may even be people that are really strong at their job, but there are reasons why they're being held back for whatever reason. It's a law that's in place that makes things more inefficient, or there's some longstanding practice that they haven't been able to reform or change. And the auditor can point out those places where that change is necessary. I think it's also also really important that this job is elected independently by the people of Massachusetts. In other states, about half the states in the country, the auditor is appointed. In Massachusetts, the auditor is elected, and that gives the office an independence. And I think it's really critical that the next state auditor has a proven track record of standing up to protect the public interest. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did with my work with No Boston Olympics, where we pushed back against a bid that was requiring all of us as state taxpayers to cover 100% of the cost overruns putting our future state budgets at real risk. And we needed, in that case, grassroots independence, thinking and action to challenge that plan. And that's the kind of role the state auditor can play in the future in Massachusetts. Agreed. You did an excellent job. Thank you. And I'm thinking as you are out there campaigning and talking to people and explaining the role of the auditor, what have you been talking about and what improvements are you thinking about? And what is your vision for that position? We've been really gratified by the response that we've received We have been literally from Pittsfield to Provincetown in this race. And so we've been to every single corner of the state and the feedback has been positive. We now have over 1,300 individual contributors to our campaign. Over a thousand of those contributors are from Massachusetts. And that's by far the most in this race. And we're really proud of that response and that reaction. And especially given that this is an office that isn't necessarily top of mind for many people. So we feel like we've got a lot of momentum. And I think it's based off of of people hearing about my experience and my passion for the role, but also about what we're proposing to do when in office. We were the first campaign to put out any policy papers that actually described what we want to do in the office, and we put out the first three before any other campaign put out any. So the first was on tracking the federal stimulus dollars, the $5.3 billion that's available to the state government to spend in the coming years because of the COVID stimulus relief. The second was on climate and environmental justice making the auditor's office a national leader in that area. And the third is on reform of the state police, which is a thorny issue on Beacon Hill. And I have great respect for our troopers who are on the front lines. It was just within the last week that we lost a trooper, tragically, Trooper Bucci, who was killed on a highway in Massachusetts, a stark and sad reminder of the fact that our troopers really go through great personal sacrifice and risk to do that job. But I believe that they deserve 
to work for an agency that they can be proud of. And I think the state police need some more reform. And the state auditor is just one of three positions on Beacon Hill that really have direct oversight. So those three policy papers, I hope, give people a sense of the breadth of opportunity with this job. It can really cover a lot of ground within state government. And we're proud of those papers that we've put out and the vision that we're offering for the office. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, joining us today. But I do want to share with our listeners a little about yourself. Like, what was the last book you read? One is a, a book called Legacy by James Kerr. And it's it was given to me by a supporter who encouraged me to read it. And it has to do with a rugby team in New Zealand called the All Blacks. It's the national rugby team in New Zealand, which is historically the strongest rugby team in the entire world, even though New Zealand is not that big of a country. Mm -hmm. But they've been successful because they've built a team culture of success. And this book has all sorts of advice about how you can take the lessons learned from the All Blacks and apply it to whatever organization you're leading. It's a quick read and an easy read. And anyone that's leading an organization or that wants to lead an organization would benefit from reading it. And then the second, which is a much longer and denser book, is one called The City State of Boston by Mark Peterson. Mm. And this is for the, the true history nerds. It's a history of Boston from 1630, which is Boston's founding, to 1865. And it really talks about how Boston was not just sort of the economic hub of Massachusetts, but really of all of New England. And then it places New England in that broader world, kind of how New England interacted with not just the United Kingdom, but also with Europe and with the Caribbean and with South America, the Indies. So it's a very detailed, particular book, maybe not for everybody, but if you're a history nerd like me, it's one that you'll really like and has just some fascinating information about Boston's history. Thank you. These are great recommendations. Two more. What song made motivates you? I'm going to share this about songs and singing. I actually met my fiance, Anna, who I mentioned earlier in this podcast, at Jacob Worth's, the old restaurant on Stewart Street that many of your listeners, I'm sure, know. I have heard rumors that Jacob Worth's, which has been closed for the last three or four years, is actually coming back, and we're excited about that. But the reason it connects to singing is that for decades there, on Friday nights, there was a piano player who passed out songbooks to everyone in the bar, and everyone could sing together. And that's where Anna and I met singing around the piano. And so I can't tell you necessarily one song that's my favorite or motivates me, but I am a poor but enthusiastic singer. If you get me in a room with, you know, 20 or 30 other people singing, I belt them out and really enjoy that. I think it's a, it's a great communal experience. And one last one, not thinking too much about it, your favorite meal. I don't know that I've got one, but I will tell you that Anna and I are pretty big pizza fans. Okay. <laughs> and most Friday nights, we call it pizza day or pizza night. And we go typically for one of three places that some of your listeners will know. When we want to go fancy, we go with Frank Pepe's, which is, of course, the famous place in New Haven, but they now have a Chestnut Hill location. We sometimes go with Otto's, which I think started in Maine, but now has locations in Massachusetts. And there's one not far from us. And then when we want to go Sicilian, we'll go with Pino's Pizzeria, which is in Cleveland Circle, has been there for like 50 or 60 years. And that's a uh, a favorite of mine from high school and still to this day. So we'll have debates about who makes the best slice and what, how we're feeling that night. It's a fun way to chow down on a Friday night and not have to worry about cooking or, or making our own meal. 
Absolutely. And it appears you two are serious pizza lovers. <laughs> so we, um, we are. We, it's how we got through the pandemic was a lot of pizza ordering. Listen, thank you so much. This is very important to our listeners. I think we should know who are, we are electing to state government. And I think that you are an excellent candidate for this position. And I wish you the best of luck. And it appears that you're doing great out there and you've crisscrossed the uh, state of Massachusetts and kudos to you for doing that and continue to do it. And I think we'll hopefully see positive results at the end of the day. Thanks so much, Lydia. It's been great to reconnect with you. I'm honored to be on the podcast. And if folks want to learn more, they should check out DempseyForAuditor.com. I'd be honored to have their support in this race. Thank you. Visit buildingbostonandbeyond.com to get a glimpse of our future guests and the many ways you can follow us on social media. Join us next time to hear the latest topics of discussion in Boston and beyond.